What is the ultimate image of reality? Is it water, as Thales of Millet, the first philosopher of Western uh, tradition, uh, is said to have said? Is it perpetual repetition of suffering, as Buddhism believes? Is it the atom, that which is so infinitely small that it can not be split into smaller parts? In contemporary science, a worldview obsessed by splitting things into small parts? Well, in animist worldviews, it is connectedness. And in Nordic traditional animism, this connectedness is a tree. Now, this video is about one of my favorite illustrations of this connectedness, and that is the Yggdrasil figure on the Swedish Ockelbo stone. I totally love the Ockelbo stone. When I first saw this incredibly beautiful design, I really didn't get why nobody was using it. Like new pagans and so on, they seem much more in love with this so-called Irminsul, which is really an image of a palm tree that pinned to Jesus in a Christian legend. Um, and by the way, this appropriation of the Christian symbol is self-interesting. Um, but why don't any, anybody know this amazing image of, I think, Yggdrasil? on this Swedish runestone. So because I love this image uh, so much, I've made a design of it available, uh, both as a street art stencil that you can find on my Patreon page, and as a t-shirt that you can find in the web shop on Nordic Animism homepage. So uh, while I'm making this talk, I'll just show you these images of how to make the Yggdrasil stencil, uh, how to uh, cut it out and so on and spray paint it on the inside of your kitchen locker door together with your daughter when your wife is not at home. Um, right. I think that there are different reasons that this image is not so well known. It uh, comes from an 11th century stone that was lost during a fire and it's considered one of the so-called Sigurd drawings, Sigurd carvings. Uh, which means that it belongs to a group of rune stones that show images of the Sigurd Favnesbani, the Völsung cycle of, of stories. Now, scholars always like reaching an unambiguous bottom line when interpreting something, but symbolism don't always work like that. I mean, often it's much more open-ended, and I think that this carving says more than just reference the Sigurd story. I think the stone is applying these Sigurd motifs in embellishing or perhaps even like iconographically exploring a general motif, uh, a general cosmological motif um, of connectedness which is often seen on Swedish runestones. Uh, so, so here's what you see in the stone. Here is a dragon or worm-like, snake-like figure encircling the whole scene. This is typical of uh, uh, Swedish runestones. In the middle you have a tree growing out of this, binding or holding this chaos being. On many rune, Swedish runestones this is a cross. Uh, here you have a person holding a ring and a person holding a drinking horn. Some think uh, that uh, this might represent Sigurd being initiated by Sigurd Driva in the Sigurd Driva Mall because there is a drinking horn in that scene, um, the drink of initiation. Here's a rooster, perhaps a symbol of Christian res resurrection. There's a bird in the top of the tree. Could reference different things. A horse, possibly Grani, Sigurd's famous horse. Here's Sigurd stabbing the dragon, though the carving is 
damaged. We know this precise motif from other runestones. Here is something, perhaps a wagon of sorts, and researchers have really wanted to see this as some something that has to do with wagons. Thor, for instance, I'm not sure why. Um, here's something also unclear, a person with something. And here's two dudes seemingly having a good time. Researchers uh, are then thinking that this might be a situation where Sigurd is not slaying dragons or riding through fire or certainly, most certainly, not having sex with a beautiful Valkyrie after cutting off a very tight-fitting chainmail of her with his sword. <laughs> uh, but perhaps a situation where he's just chilling with another dude, perhaps Gunnar. Um, the text says, Blesa let this beautiful stone be raised after his son Svarthövde. Fridelf was his mother. So to me, you know, these there's some things that are clear. This probably does have to do with Sigurd, yes. And what people are saying about this is kind of speculative. I'm not blaming so much because I'm super speculative myself. Anything that has to do with a lost stone slab carved in 11th century Gestaligland is freaking speculative. Also note, by the way, uh, how once scholars have noted that this is a secret imagery, then they really want to make the rest of it also fit into that, uh, that idea. But this isn't necessarily made for the purpose of fitting together nicely like that. Perhaps the op opposite is even, case, is even the case. Uh, it's likely that some different motifs were combined together, uh, perhaps as threads pointing towards different narratives that were known. Or the narratives that we know could have had different forms in 11th century Gestaligland. Um, you know, perhaps forms that were very different from the ones that we know. There could have been a narrative... Where with a dramatic turning point uh, that was about drinking and playing a board game. Or perhaps the guy commemorated on the stone, Swathurt. He just liked doing those things. It's difficult to know, right? Uh, and I just uh, want to look a little bit more at my favorite part uh, of this, which is uh, this here part of the carving. The tree here takes the role that the cross has in many Swedish uh, runestones. It is the central ordering principle which controls and binds a chaotic being. And this is how I dialogue with this carving as an, as an Yggdrasil figure. Um, but as it is almost invariably the case with very old stuff, strictly speaking, it's very limited what it's possible for us to say for certain about these distant pasts. Perhaps they didn't know any Yggdrasil in 11th century Gestrikland, but had other images that conceptualized the interconnectedness of reality. Perhaps the makers of the stone were Christians, and for exactly these Christians, the tree of life was the evident symbol that they chose rather than the cross. Though this was a place and time where there would still be heathen boat burials for at least a century more or something like that, Perhaps they were becoming Christians and imaged the tree of life in an Yggdrasil fashion. You know, perhaps they were syncretic between Christianity and, and, and uh, heathendom. You know, perhaps it's just an adornment with no particularly deep religious meaning to it. Perhaps it has, really, has a really deep and cosmological religious be meaning, just another one that we don't know and will never know. These things are always difficult to know for certain particularly also because scholarship strives towards unambiguity. It's sort of in the structure of things. 
Right. <clears throat> uh, but in the way that I'm engaging the symbol, uh, I'm trying to, first I'm trying to try to allow the image polyvalence. It likely doesn't just mean one thing, but it's more of a vessel of several meaning meanings, also in its own context. But particularly in our engagement with it, of course. And symbols of, uh, and stories, they're unpacked in different ways through the ages. They disclose different meanings and insight. A story doesn't mean the same today that it did uh, 500 years ago. And I'm interested in sort of opening a contemporary disclosure by creating a dialogue with the symbol that related to the mythology that we know from the Norse corpus of texts and thereby allow it to speak into our age, age give it a voice, you could say. Right. So the way I read it, there's really important symbolism going on, <clears throat> which is uh, reflected also in other parts of the Nordic text corpus. And that is this bond here. The problematically upheld, yet stable but precarious balance between chaos and the human social sphere. It is as if it grows out of chaos. I see this bond here as, as part of, or perhaps indicative of or representing these multifaceted and various social bonds, social ties of kinship and contracts that bind the Aesir Vanir deities, representatives of the ordered world, to the Jotnar giants and trolls who live in the outside the social space. It is the binding of the wolf Finria, but it is also the blood brotherhood between Loki and Odin. It is the marriage between Frey and Gerda. It is uh, Odin descending from the Jotnar. It's uh, the, the, the ordering world principle springing from chaos somehow. And a particularly good image of this, I think, is the social contract between King Frodi and his serfs, the Jotun women, Fenya and Menya. They drive the magic millstone at the center of Frodi's kingdom. This is also a centerpiece object, this millstone that's turning, right? But when he gives in to unbridled greed and starts behaving in an exploitative way towards these forces of nature, they turn on him um, and invoke destruction and Ragnarok on the kingdom. Frodi has broken this bond, the contract, um, and that is the, this bond here. In Snorstolason's description, uh, Yggdrasil, uh, two, of, two of the roots, they end with Jotun forces. Um, and one of them being the dragon Nilhog, uh, which is gnawing at the root. Uh, and on the Swedish runestones, these dragons, they actually look a little bit more like Jormungandr type Midgard serpents uh, encircling an ordered world. But they're still connected to the root of the tree somehow. And I think that this idea of connectedness is very foundational to the Nordic cosmos. It is a bit like the idea of suffering in Buddhism or transformation in Taoism. And whether we read the dragon as, as Nilhog or Jormungandr or just as an agent of chaos or Favnir, this bond between the ordered world and fertile, fertile but difficult to control chaos forces, that is a point. And I actually think that the uh, relating and the bond might be the point of these two human figures as well. One researcher uh, suggests uh, Sigurdriva, uh, the Valkyrie that initiates Sigurd uh, by uh, uh, mixing a drink of runes and giving it to Sigurd. And this is awesome. I really hope this is, this is what, they, what the carver was thinking of. Um, runes are, of course, uh, trees. 
they are uh, staffs in a sense uh, with branches on them and uh, they uh, they thereby links to the basic idea of uh, tree as organic interconnectedness of reality humans are metaphorically trees both in their creation story and in skaldic language spirits uh, can also be worshipped as poles or trees or something like that in fact there are symbolisms going on here uh, that I could go on about or you know it's almost like you can disappear in but I also think there's stuff here that you shouldn't perhaps be spoken about in public space because it approaches initiatory meanings related to the secret of Amal related to runes and so on but I strongly recommend reading the secret of Amal uh, and fundamentally this motif of the initiatory drink is seen in, in different parts of uh, literature. I also recommend my friend Maria Kvielhauk's uh, writing on this. And this initiatory uh, moment is, uh, yeah, is found in, in uh, also in the a drink of initiation in the Hynlul You find it in the Skalskabamal, the meat of poetry. You find it in the Hovamal. Um, if this was illustrating the Hovamal, then the person lying could be Odin, who falls down after his self-sacrifice as a tree. Or is this Mimir? offering Odin a drink from the Well of Wisdom. Like right now I'm almost moving into open association with this image. Um, but the initiatory drink is of course a symbol of deep connectedness, uh, human alignment with the pattern of creation, perhaps a human being connected to a spirit somehow. And this is uh, also part of what rings mean actually. Uh, but uh, in this case here, this, this ring could be Sigurd's cursed ring. And I think this is also super interesting and really something that could be unpacked. Because in the Nordic world, it is as if curses and blessings, they're not just curses and blessings. It is as if curses, they're also blessings and blessings, they're also curses. The, the, um, the, uh, in, the one example uh, I just mentioned, the initiatory drink in the Hynlöljöld is a poison. Uh, that turns something else or something like that. The sword Tirfing, another example given to the warrior Hadver from her father, uh, is cursed, but she knows this and she attains her fate and becomes this great Viking warrior in defying um, the threat of this curse. In the Nordic world, there are often these yeah, double-sided curses or blessings. Having Odin on your side and achieving greatness through battles and so on, one day he will kill you. So this ring might represent the Rhine gold and thereby the curse on the Volsung family, but perhaps also in a sense Sigurd's bond to his fate or something of that sort, right? You know. <clears throat> but rings in general, they, they are, uh, I think they represent, totally represent the sort of con contract or bond. Temples have been found filled with rings probably rings that were made in relation to oaths or something, where somebody made some sort of tie to something, you know. Um, in a sense, uh, the ring is, is a quite fundamental symbol of tying the bond, making kinship in uh, the Nordic world. And, and even so, this also means that if we look away from Sigurd and we say, well, well perhaps this is not a Sigurd image, this here, then the, the, the symbol in themselves, they're just super dense with Nordic animist meaning. Could be just the ring as an oath ring, right? 
uh, and thereby symbolizing these bonds of contract. Uh, and, and though the com comparison is spurious, because the, 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 this object here is a millennia older, I'm tempted to associate it with this figure here on the Gunnarstorp Cauldron. He's uh, similarly holding the ring in one hand and the serpent, a symbol of the earth, in another, right? Perhaps the person holding the tree and the ring, it symbolizes, I don't know, an oath to the tree. Um, the bonding him to the tree or something like that. I, these are different explorations of or different expressions of connectedness if we see them from different angles. See what I'm saying? Uh, the other purpose, person here could represent another side of this if we pull it a little bit out of the secret story. The reciprocity of giving, perhaps. Perhaps this, this uh, is just the act of giving a libation to the tree or something like that. However, consider looking into this by yourself. What does this combination of symbols mean? The horn, the tree, and the ring. I promise you that there's going to be more to that than what I've said here. Uh, and uh, uh, whatever you might think of this image and this combination and which one of the theories you like best, I think that it really expresses some deep notes of Nordic animism. The tree as relatedness, the foundational reality of the world, initiatory knowledge of the pattern of relation in all its depth and complexity. I think that this way of understanding Nordic animist cosmology that's almost explicit here or unpacked here or enfolded here is much more precise than these sort of imaginary cosmologies that people are drawn to Nordic religion are often making up where there's a tree and then they're placing worlds into it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is really a coherent and aesthetic way of thinking that strives for sort of systemically well-organized reality. But that's actually not how animist reality is typically composed, right? This very well-organized structure reality, that's actually quite characteristic of Christian and modern cosmologies that have, they have this focus on distinction. Right, uh, distinction between man and God, between culture and nature, between uh, subjectivity and materiality, and so on. Uh, this is all reality, distinct from the human mind. Something you think about, uh, rather than something that exists in you engaging or come into being in your engagement. But that is exactly how animist reality focus. They they don't focus on distinction. Though for weird reasons, there are a lot of other true heathens who, who think, seem super convinced that it's all about distinctions. Uh, and distinctions are there, but they're not the focus. The focus is the opposite. It's on connection. Um, and, and animists, therefore, they, they often don't worry that much about everything being in a very specific order or that it has to fit into a cultural label and so on. It's much more about just a principle of relating that holds things together. And this is dynamic and it's malleable. And I think that, that uh, this is what this image shows. Uh, I think it's a multi-spectred, deep image that has, you know, it has the serpent at the bottom, and has a bird in the top. These could be symbols of tra shamanic transformation. You could talk about this for hours, study it for years on the relating express in just these two symbols. Uh,
In the description of Yggdrasil, we have the eagle in the top of the tree and the, the Nidhogg, the dragon in the bottom. And what does, he, what does these mean and what do their relation mean? Uh, there's the serpent and the world tree bound together, the all-defining relation between the fertile, dangerous chaos and the ordered life world. And there's the human ritual uh, engagement and management of symbolism, participation in the relating at the core of this functioning relational reality you know i'm even tempted to throw into the mix leave and live these figures the human couple that survives the ragnarok the collapse of the interrelated world principle by hiding in hot mimi's halt some sort of grove by eating the morning dew and begetting a new li- uh, line of humanity from the um, ruins of our collapsed world right so anyway to me, this is a super deep and super beautiful and quintessential somehow image of Yggdrasil, the world tree, as the animist principle. And it is as if, you know, more than just an image, uh, almost like a, it's almost like a lesson, a path into Nordic animist uh, patterns of creation. And that's why I, I, I super like it and I really want to share it with the world share it it's not mine to share but I really want to make the world aware of it um, and uh, a little bit like with the raven flag I also want to make it physically available to people because you know I basically think that me going blah 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 about something it doesn't really doesn't really change stuff really it doesn't really consolidate something into the world and by the way there's more than enough blah 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 you know just take a look at the internet you know um and uh, so you have to you have to sort of make these meanings physical somehow through practice or, or something so uh, as you see i've made this into a street art stencil so it can be uh, used to mark somewhere as a uh, as a little notch to this uh, animist relation the uh, the animist interconnectedness or t-shirt something you can carry on your body as a way of yeah making a cry for animist interconnectedness so uh thanks for listening and uh see you around